It's Dave, and it's summer, and Reb is off writing. So rather than it be Let's Talk Money with Dave, we thought we would highlight some of our favorite shows. These are shows that we loved hosting and hope that you enjoy these encore presentations of Let's Talk Money. Money. I don't have your money. I know I'd be a lot happier with some extra cash. Is this about money? Oh, man, we got bills to pay, buddy. <laughs> Obviously, this is all about money. I got to talk to you about money. With practical tips and a focus on scripture, let's talk money with Dave and Reb from More Than Enough, the financial show that speaks to the heart of your money story. Real conversations about money for real people. Let's talk money. Are you ready to talk money, Reb? I'm ready to talk money. Well, that's good. You're smiling I, this morning. I am. Yeah. We have a very special guest today. And, and you're happy about that. Well, then. I'm kind of laughing at you here just okay. with the technology issues today. But what, anyway. What are you I, I, just, <laughs> I just paused on the way in to make sure that the record button actually went record. You know, I mean, there's nothing worse than coming in the middle of a conversation. Okay, okay. <laughs> anyway. Welcome to the show. We're Those still of you getting along listening. after a year of lockdown and COVID. Yes, this yes. is good. It's you know, very good. Very good. And for those of you who uh, who who aren't and you're wondering what our special sauce is, we don't have any. So uh, <laughs> it's just good. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, back on point. Back on Let's point. Let's talk money. <laughs> Let's talk money. Uh, if you have heard the show before, you'll know you'll know that this is not uncommon. That Rev and I generally start the show show uh, with uh, well, let's just say sometimes Rev lets me lead it in. So, uh, and if you're, you're you want to hear some more antics, you can hear them on morethanenough.ca, chri.ca, notmine.ca. Those are all all websites that have just players right there. So you can looking for a particular podcast or a. T- particular subject just use the search function and and you'll be able to search all of the podcasts and on the more than enough uh, website you'll also be able to search all the the blogs and and the the printed media that we have there so lots and lots and lots of resources if you're a podcaster welcome to the show we we love being on the podcasting platforms uh, and if we're not on yours if you've searched let's talk money with dave and reb and you haven't found us on your podcasting platform don't change the platform. Just call us or reach out, and we will be able to to get on whatever uh, podcasting platform that that you use. So, so there it is. Uh, that's our little housekeeping. There it is. So we have a very I, special guest. I would say I don't know if we'd say it's a he, he's your hero, but he well, has been. He didn't know this gentleman didn't know what um, a mentor yes. that he has been for Dave. Um, over the last decade, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, we welcome Dr. Keith Webb. I can use doctor once, he said. So um, I'll just throw that out there. Now we're going to call him Keith. Um, and he's the founder and president of Creative Results Management in the U.S. And we're going to tell you a little bit more about what that actually is and means. But we want to welcome you here, Keith. Thank you. It's great to be on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and as Reb said, I mean, uh, you wouldn't know that, but you, you know, the reading your books and, and, uh, I think I said this the first time we met, if I was to write a book on coaching, it would be plagiarized because it would be your book <laughs> because everything that you wrote uh, from a, a philosophy standpoint, everything, 
really does relate uh, and and it's how we do coaching so um, I want to thank you in advance for writing the book that I'm sure you didn't write it for me but I thank you for it so I did write it for you too thank you for that and I'm glad that I'm glad to uh, have I'm glad to know somebody read it besides my mother so it's just really good you know <laughs> Well, I will say that our, our team of coaches has read it. Dave uses it as our main resource in our coaching training for, as, as some of you may or may not know, um, a piece of what we do at More Than Enough is financial coaching. And you've heard us talk about it before, but, um, you know, Dave has used many resources over the years. But when we, when we had the opportunity to interview Keith, it was just so very exciting because he's also going to be doing some work this year and his organization with our team. So we're all, the coaches are so excited. Um, if, if you can imagine listeners out there to get excited about your finances, we've got a whole team of coaches who are excited about your finances. So I know that might be an odd thing to hear, but... Um, but um, I want to just read uh, some scripture, and I'm actually going to take scripture that I have found in Keith's book called The Coach Model for Christian Leaders. And he starts, and, and we're with him for two weeks, so we, we're today together and next week. And we're going to dig into the topic of coaching. And I want to read just the one verse that he has um written at the beginning of his preface to the expanded edition of his book. And it's just the simple verse in Galatians 5 verse 25. And, and it would follow the, the, the gifts of the spirit. You know, what are the gifts of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control against, against such things. There is no law, but then it, it goes into this, these few words. And it says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep step with the spirit. So I was just wondering, Keith, what was it about that verse that you would put that at the beginning of your book? For me, understanding what the Holy Spirit is saying to us and then living that out is the key to living. And so we need to keep in step with the spirit, hearing from God in many different ways, and then obeying what we hear. And that's maturity, that's life, and it's hard. <laughs> so I want to keep in step with the Spirit. I want to live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. And that's a hard thing to do. And as, I guess, in light of coaching, because that's what we're going to talk about today, maybe we're not talking specifics financially, although Dave could probably draw some coaching and finances analogies, but because you're not specifically a trainer of financial coaches, are you? No, we train in coaching skills and mindsets, which can be used in any different on any different topic. And but helping people with finances is obviously a hot topic for a lot of people. Yes, and you and Dave, you would say you've applied what he teaches in the book or in through his organization to our financial. Yeah, I, I mean, our our whole coaching and my whole coaching philosophy has always been principled in that. Um, you know, Reb, you know, I've applied some of these coaching principles to us in our relationship and you shake your head and that's okay. <laughs> um, you're allowed to do that. But the, the reality is, is that it's a principled approach. And so, you know, it's not just specifically finances, although there are some certainly some nuances there. But yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, 
they, they apply, apply everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. And before we get, I guess, into the nitty gritty of what you teach and why you're so passionate about it, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be a coach of leaders and a coach of the coaching model? Sure. Um, I spent 20 years in Asia working with a, two different Christian organizations. So 10 years in Japan and then five years in Indonesia. And during those Indonesia years was right after 9-11. And I'm living in the largest Muslim country in the world and working with Christian um, young people who are doing various different kinds of service work. Uh, in the country. And there's all kinds of things they did, everything from water, uh, purified water to poverty alleviation and so on. And that's a very dangerous and tense situation at times. And I was an outside trainer for them on team development and understanding their calling, growing spiritually, things like that. And it was fine when I would give them the training process, but they would come to me and they would say, Keith, what should we do about this? Or what should we do about that? And of course, I think I have good ideas for them. Uh, I had already been in Japan 10 years and now I'm in Indonesia. And even though a different country, you know, there's a lot of principles work. I was older than them. I had more education and schooling and all these kinds of things. So I think I've got good answers for them, but I know I'm not supposed to tell them what to do. So instead, I just kind of hint. But it's a very hierarchical organ, uh, leadership structure there. So because I was more educated and, and a, a decade older than them, they took my hints as this is what we ought to do. So they went and did it. And then they would come back and they'd say, Keith, thank you so much for uh, giving us that advice. That worked so well. And I thought, oh, Lord, thank you for bringing me to Indonesia, where these people understand the wisdom you've put inside of me. You know, <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but but don't we feel? like that when we give people <laughs> advice and and uh, and then they take it and follow it and then come pat us on the back well it was around that time at right at the beginning of my time working there in this in this can be tense situation of Indonesia that I felt like the Holy Spirit if I ever got an audible voice it was then and I felt God say to me Keith your advice is going to get one of these people killed or beaten arrested or thrown out of the villages they're working in. And that kind of stuff happened while we were there and since. And I and suddenly I was face to face with the consequences of advice giving. Hmm. See, if I give you two advice, you kind of take what you like, you leave the rest, you take credit for what works, you blame me for what doesn't. <laughs> That's kind of how we do it, right? You know, but in that situation, they just went for it and did it. And what I realized is uh, you read the verse from Galatians. I want to say a verse from um, from John 14, 26. But you realize is my job isn't to tell them what to do from my experience, based on my background, based on my gifting, based on my calling, but instead to draw out what the Holy Spirit's put into them. And so I, my key verse is John 14, 26, but the counselor the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. So when I look at this verse, I realize who will teach? The, the Holy Spirit. And who will remind? The Holy Spirit. But yet as a young leader, I felt like I had to teach. I had to remind. 
I had to give the advice. So I felt this responsibility. And there is some responsibility as a leader to, you know, to do these things. So I'm not saying we never teach or we never remind. I'm not saying that. But I was so far over on the on the I'm going to teach and remind side that I didn't even I, I think I wasn't even leaving room for the Holy Spirit over there. Yeah. And so that's what first got me into coaching because coaching is a drawing out function. Whereas what I knew and what I had been trained to do was to put in. So I put in through teaching. I put in through my mentoring, sharing my experience. I put in through my advising. And those things are fine. I'm not saying we don't do those things. But if that's all you can do as a leader, uh, it's weak and you're not rounded enough. Instead, we also need to be able to draw out and we draw out by asking questions, by listening, by giving people a chance to think on their own and then let them try it out. So that's really what got me into coaching is trying not to get people killed. I was working with. I mean, mo- most of us, that's not the situation that we're in. You know, somebody, somebody's just going to, oh, that didn't work. I'll try something else. But in their case, the, the stakes were much higher. Yeah. That, that is quite a story. <laughs> but how but how wonderful. And I'm sure you didn't like did you just stumble on the because you said the advice giving is one part, but what's the other end? What did you discover? Just so that are I mean, we've read your book and all of that, so we already know the context, but what what did you discover was helpful then? Well, what I discovered was helpful and I, see I had already heard about this before I just didn't like it mm. and what I heard about was don't give advice so I already I didn't like that because I I am one of these people where if I hear your situation I've got ideas for you there's a lot of people like me out there right <laughs> it's the uh, we I call it I call it the the know-it-allism know-it-allism there's the verbal, know-it-alls who tell you every time they say it. And then there's the smug, silent know-it-alls who are just got their arms crossed. They're not saying nothing, but inside they're like, that's not what I would do. I'd do something else. You know, so it's like, there's a lot of people who are quite know-it-alls out there. And what I realized is, is uh, that in order to draw out from people what, what God might be saying to them, they need to think and they need to process it. And in order to do that, Bouncing off of my ideas is too, um, it's too influencing. So my ideas then uh, cause them to start thinking along the, ide- along the lines of my ideas. So instead, if I ask questions which are open, they, their ideas come out. And, but it's not just that their ideas come out, because it could be that my ideas actually are better. The point of what happens, though, is their ideas start coming out. Then you ask further questions around that and they start thinking off of those things. And what happens is, so you th- imagine it, I was in a cross-cultural situation, right? So every time I, I if I had worse to advise, I have to think, okay, how would an Indonesian think about these things? How would, what does my advice need to fit their culture? And I have to try and change it, right? To mm-hmm. suit them. And I would do the same thing for you. If I knew your personality was a certain way, I might give you advice and try and adjust it to your personality, right? So, but instead, when you do a coaching approach, you're drawing out. So when you ask the questions, what comes out from them is the contextualized 
uh, version of them. In other words, every answer you give me comes out of your personality, your background, your experience, not my personality, background and experience, but yours. And so what I learned is if I could ask open questions and then shut up and listen to their answers and then not pile on with my own of, oh, that's a great idea. And that makes me think of, and then I start giving advice then. No, if I just ask a question, but then I follow up with another question and then let them think about that and then say, so, and then what might happen if you do that? And then what, what might be the, some of the downside of that? And how could you mitigate some of that downside? And what could you do? So the principle you're, what's the principle you're looking for in that? Mm -hmm. And then they answer and then say, okay, so how could you get at that same principle with an entirely different approach? Right? So I'm not judging the, the, the things that they're saying. What I'm doing is I'm helping them reflect more deeply. And I think when we do that, we get, we draw out the real person and they're not trying to be me or somebody else. They're them. And they find their own way. And the end result of this, and this is the, really the reason, right, people love that kind of conversation, first off, once they get used to it. They're not used to it. It's like, what? You're yeah, not going to yeah. tell me? <laughs> you know, I'm paying you to tell me. It's like, yeah. okay, now I'm pay you're paying me for results. And that's where we get to is we get better results from this method than from advising. Sure. Because what happens is even the, even the most highest paid consultants most of their expertise does not get applied because they give the they give whoever it is the the great plan that fits all of the factors and then the people don't do it right and the reasons they don't do it are the things that coaching goes after and so once we get into those things what we see is people make behavioral and mental changes at a much higher rate in the directions that they want to go and so that produces huge results for those being coached. Right, right. And, and I think, uh, you know, again, when we, when we talk about, um, I've always felt like that's, that's the power of coaching, that it is, in a sense, um, dry. I think you wrote in your book at, at one point, and I'll probably misquote it, but the idea that, you know, the, the answer is inside the person that you're speaking to, right? So they, they come in it, it, in the coachee, so to speak. The, the answer's inside them. And, and our, as a coach, uh, we just want to draw it out because, to be honest, and, and this has been my experience, some of it has early on was, was that advice giving and realizing that, man, uh, I don't even have the context for the relationship of the couple sitting across the table. Like, there, there's a lot of things they're not saying, and the answers they are giving me are the answers that they want me to hear. Uh, you know, they want to please me. And I'm like, I'm not here for you to give me these answers that you think I want to hear. You, these are the answers that are going to come from inside exactly. your heart and inside your spouse's heart, if there is one. Uh, because in the end, I'm not the one making the decision. I'm not the one living your life. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's just a, a, a whole paradigm shifter, right? Uh, when you move from advice giving to coaching. Yeah, it is. And I, I agree with you. One of the misunderstandings that people have, though, with that phrase of the, the answers are inside the person already is, is 
the, the, there's a nuance in there about what kind of information. So most people feel like the thing they're missing is they're just missing a few facts or mm. a little bit of how to. And if they just knew that, they could make the change they want. So if you, you've worked with lots of people around their finances, so you know, most people know what to do. It's yep. pretty simple. Uh, either earn more or spend less. Yep. That's it. You know, it's like, yep. how do you lose weight? You either eat less or, you, you know, fewer calories or whatever, the fats or whatever, you know, in, in general, eat less or exercise more. It's really that simple. Yep. The, the problem is not information. In that sense, the problem are other things. And those other things are inside that person. Mm -hmm. And until we get after those things, so what do they get from spending more than they should? We're getting something from that. Yeah. What are we, how are we benefiting from that? It's producing debt, stress. Oh, I want out of that. I want out of that. But you're still spending. Why? There's something inside that's being triggered that, that helps people or that causes people to do that. And until we get after what's that value, until you get after what's happening internally for them uh, by overspending, then you're not going to be able to make a change in the thing because they already know they shouldn't spend that much and that they need to save more or whatever, right? So this yeah. is, it's it's really that simple with almost every issue. I work with people, um, high up leaders in organizations and they're like, you know, I react this certain way and I know I shouldn't, but I still do, you know? <laughs> I'm like, you're so smart. Why don't you change? Well, You've got to get after the stuff that's inside if we're going to do it. They're not missing a bit of information. Okay. That is, uh, I mean, uh, that that's a takeaway, right? Like, uh, I'm going to pause. Like, if you're listening, stop, rewind, go listen to that again, because that, that that's just so powerful. It's just so powerful. I, I'm wondering if, you have encountered people like I, I was just taking notes because I'm a note taker. You speak and I take notes, but um, that have have expected you to give them advice and given you grief because they just want you to tell them what to do so they can go do it instead of digging in. Because I I would think that digging into those places, especially with what we see in relationships, let's say in marriages and money, you know, one can want to go there, the other one cannot, or or they're getting there is scary. So they would just rather, I don't know, um, sometimes Dave has sat down to actually do financial dates with couples just because it's such a volatile thing for them. And and he'll do that for a season to, to train them just in how to do it, for one. But do you ever get kickback from people on that? Yeah. Yes. Um, the key thing though, is I never like in, in selling, I'm putting air quotes, selling, uh, coaching is I don't talk about coaching. What I talk about is the results the client's going to get, mm -hmm. because if you ask people, Hey, how would you like to, you know, meet with me? We're going to meet a couple times a month and I'm going to listen to you and ask you questions and you're going to come up with answers. <laughs> and people are like, oh, no, I don't want that. What I want is you to bring all your expertise and help me. And I'm like, I'm going to through my questions. And they're like, no, that doesn't sound like it's going to work. So <laughs> it's, so you, the, my principle is don't sell coaching, sell client results. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, a, it's because of 
so, so that's first off is I don't, I don't sell that, but what you hit is, I think it's key is people are, there's a cartoon, you'll see it on social media occasionally. And there's a, the, there's a guy on a platform and there's a crowd out in front of him. And he says, how many of you want change? And the whole crowd goes, yes, we want change. And then he said, and then the next panel is how many of you want to change? And no one's raising their hands. You know, it's crickets, right? So we all want change. We just don't want to change. And I imagine working with couples around their finances is you're, the, you have two people. And the, the old principle of marriage is opposites attract. So what you're going to get is, even if that's not true, you're still going to get two very different value sets regarding money and finances in a marriage. And they've they've kind of made it work for a while but they've gotten themselves into uh difficulty for whatever reason so they come to us right and so they're and they're wanting help and that's that's normal people end up by the time they get to me they've tried all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. and it's not working yeah. and so what i focus on is is focus on what's the result you want what's the result you want and then how bad do you want it mm. Do you want it bad enough that you're actually willing to take a look inside, to take a look at your values, to take a look at this sort of thing or not, to share more realistically what you really believe about finances, what your real fears are? Because if, if there's nothing like uh, finances to, to hit our fears, mm-hmm. and a lot of times people don't want to talk about, it's like, no, we just need to make more money. You don't need more money. You, you, you need to manage it differently. And the reason you're not managing it differently is because you have certain beliefs and certain fears behind those beliefs that are, that are prompting it. Right. And so the, these are, I'm talking, you know, quite print. It's kind of principle here because I could be, we could, instead of finances, we could be talking about uh, marriage communication, or we could be talking about leadership, a leader development, because yeah. leaders, the reasons why leaders do certain things they do is because they have certain beliefs and behind those beliefs are fears. Yeah. That if they don't do those things, these other bad things will happen to them. Well, until you start talking about the deeper stuff, you're not going to get at the behavioral stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can't keep your conversation. See, most conversations that people have stay behavioral or attitudinal. Mm-hmm. You just need to think more positively and you'll be fine. Or you just need to, you know, whatever it is, spend less, save more. That's behavioral. It's like, no, the, if that worked, they wouldn't be coming to see us. So it doesn't. So you've got to go deeper and you got to find out what's happening inside. Yeah. Uh, again, that's just so powerful for, for those people that, that actually do want to change. And, and I, uh, I love the way you put the question, you know, you know, let, let's, let's find out what's the result you want. Like, let's, let's do that analysis and, and get that defined and, and have a clear picture of what that is. Um, and then, of course, the follow-up question is: So, how badly do you want it? Because you have to go deep, right? Like, uh, it, it, again, it's not about. Uh, I say this all the time. Uh, I probably say this at least once a week, Keith. You know, it's simple: spend, live on less than you make. That's it. Like that. That's yes. that's the simplicity of it, right? And yet, here it is. Um, we we spend so Hard much. To do. Yeah, yeah. It's the implementation. It's okay. Yeah, Dave, easy to say, but how, how do I actually like, and, and again, 
for the long term, not just for next week or next month and, and, and all of that, but how do I actually do this as a, as a lifestyle, if you want to say it like that. So, yeah, it's big. So how, how can we have a couple, just maybe a minute. I don't know if you can summarize this. How can a person get their minds around that then that they have to want to change and to, how do you get, how do you even get them to there? Well, I think part of it is, is when people aren't clear about a possible way forward, they don't have any hope. Hmm. And so clarity brings hope. So having a discussion with someone who can help you get clear on what your problem is, funny enough, getting clear on the problem actually provides hope because you have some clarity there, even if you haven't, even if there's no solution in there yet. Mm -hmm. And so getting clear on the problem and then getting clear on, uh, and then, and then starting to form a way forward. And then it's those baby steps. It's little by little, and you can build off of those. Those are some of the basic print, uh, blocks of, of getting people to start to move forward. And I know that in our office, I was just, um, Dave could probably speak better to it than I can. But when we just even ask people to face their finances, we have this acronym that says financial awareness creates empowerment. And it's that very thing that you said when they get aware, actually, because there's so much unawareness of what's going on. When people come in, it's heavy. But when they leave, it, it's like a load's been lifted. And I'm like, Dave, what did you do? And he goes, well, we just identified what's going on. <laughs> we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's the lack of clarity. So clarity brings hope. And so people feel lighter. They feel more in control because they know what they're up to. Well, there we go. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on that. And we're just going to, you know, again, we're going to pick up the conversation next week. And the, the real key here, and, and just, just reiterate that, clarity brings hope. So carry that with you through the next week. And join us next week when we talk money. Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow. For more information or to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.